Uh, as I said, married to my wife, Danny, and we have a little two-year-old called Jack who's out playing with the toys. Um, we, so he's two. That means he's just had his first, like, proper Christmas. You know, like the proper, like, cute one where he gets it and he actually understands what's happening. So that was really good fun. And um, we did do our best to kind of, you know, tell him the Christmas story every way possible. Watched it, did it on this kid's Bible app. We had little um, porcelain figures that my mum had of a, a nativity set. Uh, and at the end of all of that, we said, Jack, Jack, w- what's Christmas about? And he looks at us and he goes, jingle bells. Uh, so we've decided we need to implement some strict discipline, to be honest, because that theology, that's not going down in my household. Uh, so, but he's, he's had a good time. Um, it is great also to be here on the first Sunday of 2021, because that means that 2020 is over, everybody, okay? It's gone. Okay, did anyone stay up to midnight just to make sure that 2020 definitely left? What a terrible year, can I just be honest? I know we all have to pretend that, you know, it was really spiritually growing and, oh, you learned a lot. It's like, no, I mean, did you learn a lot about the Bible or, like, Tiger King on Netflix? That's kind of where we were at uh, last year. It was a rough year. Um, but let me, let me give you the passage that's been in my mind, um, and, and I'll read a little bit of it, and we're going to hang out. So if you have uh, your Bible with you, you've got an app or whatever, uh, turn it to Nehemiah, and we're going to start in chapter 1. I'm just going to read, I'm going to sort of work through it a little bit this morning. Um, so, so we're going to be, be moving around a little bit in Nehemiah, but primarily chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to start us with verses 1 to 3. Verses 1 to 3, they say this. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, should have practiced that before I got up, to be honest. Uh, Now, it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Uh, if, If you're taking notes or anything like that, the title of today's message is Up From the Ashes. Up From the Ashes. Um, I want to kind of give us like a broad overview picture this morning. Um, This is not going to be sort of you and your life so much, although it will hopefully have application to that. But what I want to look at is kind of the church on a a macro scale, like a macro level picture of what has happened to the church and where is the church going um, in this next year. Now, what I'm not saying is this church specifically, because my understanding is chatting to Craig and what we've just heard there about offerings and all of that that is a phenomenal marvelous anomaly which is brilliant and it is great to be in a church which looks different but actually uh, the church as a whole I want to kind of look at that and look at where we're going and then see well what is God saying to the church what I believe he's saying to the church as a whole um, at the start of this year um, so, so uh, very quickly In the last year, 24 of 27 EU nations essentially shut church as a result of COVID. 
Now, uh, that, that happened in various ways. Some of them, they fully just, you couldn't open your church at all. Some of them, it was private prayer. Others, it was kind of shrinking the gatherings down to the size that, you know, a handful of people, you couldn't get anyone indoors. Um, now, I, I'm not saying anything about the, the politics of that right or wrong. Okay, this is not a political statement. It's just a fact as to what happened. Um, similarly, in, in Victoria and in Australia, for instance, uh, there were many other places open, uh, but churches were shut and couldn't gather beyond uh, five people outdoors. So that's part of the context of where we're at as a church. Uh, in America, in various states, again, churches were shut while other things, uh, you know, casinos and so on were open, particularly in California, things like that. And even here in the UK, I think we've been comparatively uh, blessed compared to many other nations. We have, we, we've actually been able to have church more than a lot of other places. Uh, even compared to England, Northern Ireland has done better yet again. We've been able to sing, uh, all of those sorts of things. You weren't allowed, still not allowed to do that in church. You have to wear ma- masks the entire service, all of those sorts of things. And there's been more leeway in the uh, sort of Northern Irish uh, system. But nonetheless, um, without, without saying good or bad, the politics of any of that it does have an impact on the church like do we understand that like that that's something that that that's going to affect how the church operates um so what we've seen for instance is a uh, barna research they're saying that they believe one in five churches in america are going to close and um, the anglican church uh, i've heard similar things i haven't tracked down the official stats but friends there they've said they're reckoning about one in five churches may close um, and looking at other kinds of churches, sort of tracking with um, what you might call mega churches, very large churches in America, maybe 20, 30, 40,000 people. You think, oh, they're going to be massive online. And you watch them online, it's like seven shares or, you know, 30 people tuning into the live stream. That, that has an impact on the church. What, what we've done is we, we've said, well, look, we think we can put it all online, but it's kind of like trying to do life in an emergency, like in a lifeboat. You know, it's, it's like it's an emergency measure, good emergency measure, but let's be honest, to try and live there long term is going to have an impact. And I think for me, one of the more concerning things where I think we actually have a, a genuine challenge and a genuine issue is that it feels to me like a lot of the sort of broader church leadership has collapsed in their conviction over the necessity and the vitality of the local church. I've been disappointed by that. Okay, because we have these great leaders, and you know, in a typical uh, scenario, they'll be standing up and they say, there's a great line, the local church is the hope of the world, and then it gets a little bit difficult. And say, oh, well, local church is a fine option in a good time. Like, that's a different message that we're giving. And personally, I I don't know that that we've actually seen people making the case for the local church. I I don't know that we've seen people saying, no, 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 we are doing something here that is absolutely essential. We are doing something here. This is the only place. And it's not just about people. I've heard the mental health thing. Mental health is part of church. But more than that, this is about spiritual transformation. This is the only place, the church is the only place where souls can be satisfied. It is the only place where societies are shaped and families are founded. It is the only place where enemies become brothers, sinners become saints. It is the only place that unites color and class. It is the only place that unites tribe and tongue. It is the only place that Jesus 
built. It is the only place that he is building. The church is absolutely unique. And because of that, the church is absolutely essential. I believe the church is essential. And it has been disappointing to me that many of the church leadership have not made that case. Present company excluded. Thank you very much, Craig Cooney. What a legend. So here we're at Nehemiah 1, chapter 3. Uh, or Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3 and says that the walls are in ashes. So here's, here's where we're at in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, uh, Jerusalem was this great city, this phenomenal city, uh, which had the greatest place of worship ever. And it was the pride and joy of God's nation. And uh, the people rebel and they fall into sin and, and get sent into exile. And about 20 years before Nehemiah writes this, some people come back and they rebuild the temple. Great start. Great start. But the walls are in ashes. And ashes are a dangerous place. Ashes are not, like when your walls are in ashes, I think that is that, that where the church is at. I think we have a sense of we still have the temple, like we still have this sense of we worship God, we love God. But the defenses are down a little bit. Like what we've seen, we have never seen such a closure of churches, such a fall in, in, in that sort of integral part of spiritual life since, I believe, the fall of the Roman Empire. Like even in 1918, Spanish flu, churches were closed, but for about a month or two. We've seen a year. We've seen a year. That's different. Uh, that's a dangerous place to be in. You can have enemies come in, uh, uh, physical enemies. And I think one of the dangers, and again, I don't think that'll happen here, thankfully, but in many other places... This will be used as leverage to regulate and persecute in many places local churches. That, that will, I don't think it's going to happen here. I think we're blessed. But there are places where that will happen. Uh, what, what we also see is it's dangerous because we, we, we're seeing... That there's something about the gathering of the church where, where we unite the truth with worship. And it does something to what we say here. Like what is spoken from this platform and what, what Craig shares on a Sunday morning. We, we recognize like it might not be absolutely perfect, but do you know what? There's something sanctified about what's said. We're connecting it with the worship of God. And we're saying we're gathering together around the worship of God and the truth that's here. And when what we've what we've done with online is we've we've made it very much that the church is one of many options. The wall, the distinction between what is being said, has been torn down. And so, do you know what? Churches might not have the biggest Facebook profiles. So you you go on Facebook and all the ideas are there, and suddenly that sense of something being sanctified or set apart or different is torn down. And so I think there's been a rise of dangerous ideas in the world globally and in the church. And I think that not gathering as a church has been part of that. Uh, So that's a dangerous uh, place to be in, ashes. Ashes also tell us that there is a sense of, do you know what, when there is external fragility, there is often internal faithlessness. You see that in in Israel all the time. When, When the people are fragile, there is a sense that they have fallen away. And I think we have seen that maybe we have a lack of leaders or leaders who don't know what their mission is or don't have the ability or just don't have the conviction to stand up and do it. That is a concerning place to be in. Um, And so that is where I see in many ways where the church is. Sorry for a slightly depressing opening here to 2021. I'm normally a ton of fun. This is what 2020 has done to me. Um, But here's the good thing, right? We need to do something about that. Here's the good thing. We're only on verse 3 of Nehemiah. 
Okay, the rest of the book is about someone who does something about it. That's the good thing. Here's what Nehemiah does. I would love to read this entire passage, but I'm not going to because it's like seven, eight verses and my time is going faster than I thought. So uh, but here's the first thing he does. He gets down, he says in verse four, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Do you know what? If we want to be the people that want to do something about this, first thing we got to do We've got to get on our knees. We have to get on our knees. What we see in Nehemiah is this bubbling up of emotion. This, this automatic. It's not like he's sort of, you know, just sitting there like uh, relaxed or, or cold about this or in any sense, you know, unsure as to what his reaction should be. He gets angry. He gets frustrated. He gets sad and he pours it out in prayer to God. Sometimes I think that, that uh, as, as a church, we, we say that there are emotions you're not allowed to have. You're not allowed. Uh, anger is not a, a Christian emotion. Uh, sadness, mourning is not a Christian emotion. But actually, what we say is, do you know what? What other reactions should we have? If this is what's happening to the church, what, what is a more appropriate reaction than to say, God, this is not okay. This isn't right. It's not right that we should have caved like this. It's not right that we shouldn't be standing for what God says. Uh, Do you know what? Every move of God throughout history has been started by an angry person. Right? That's absolutely true. Like, look at Martin Luther, 1517, starts the Reformation. Why? Because he's angry at what's happening. There are people going around selling uh, indulgences, time off purgatory for money. Famous phrase, when a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. And Martin Luther gets angry about that and says, that must not continue. We have to do something. Similarly, John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, he, he, he sees the church in compromise and he sees it failing to preach the gospel and failing to live up to the gospel. And he gets angry about it to the point that he keeps getting kicked out of churches because he keeps telling them how angry he is. And so he goes out into the fields and begins preaching and tens of thousands of people show up to be saved. We have to begin this by reacting in that sense of, of compassionate angry, frustrated, but godly prayer. It's not about being cocky, like, hey, we got it right. Okay? I think you guys got it pretty right here. But it's not about going, hey, we got it right and everyone else got it wrong. You have to, we have to come out of that place of recognizing, do you know what? This is, this is, we are part of the global church and there's a need for us to really get the heart for it. Um, we don't want to make the same mistakes as everyone else has made. We don't want to make, like, like the, t- the temptation for Nehemiah would be to go, do you know what, I'm going to go do something about this. I'm enough. I can do it. That's exactly how they ended up in this situation in the first place. By going, do you know what, we don't need God. We're good enough on our own. And so he recognizes his need for something more than, than himself. He recognizes, I have to begin in this place of prayer. Personally, on a personal level, um, do you know what? When this all kicked off, I thought we were in the start of a new revolution. We're going to do internet church forever, okay? And I realized after about two weeks, I absolutely hate internet church, okay? I hate it so much. It's just wick, right? Compared, Compared to actually being here, it's not the same, right? And I love the internet and I love church, but 
It's like pineapple and pizza. You don't put them together, okay? Anyone here a Hawaiian pizza fan? Right, pray for these people, okay? That's, it's just, it's heresy. That's all I'm saying, okay? There's, there's a sense in which we've got to get this compassion for the church and recognize, look, if we don't begin in prayer, we could end up going and making the same mistakes as everyone else is making around us. It's not about a gap in the market, okay? This is not, like, God will call people to build walls, but Nehemiah's heart was not to build, not to start a construction company, you know, he wasn't there trying to build, you know, Nehemiah's wall building, Bambrick's bricks or, or uh, uh, Cooney's cavity wall insulation, you know. Like, that's not what it's about. But there's, there's a sense in which you've got to start from that place of humility, prayer, fasting, recognizing this isn't okay. And that's where we begin in response. Not by being cold or aloof, but by going, God, you want to do something about this. Let us get your heart. I would encourage us here at the start of 2021 to go, do you know what? Is it worth spending some time in prayer and fasting for the church? Like just personally, I don't know if you, if you, doing, if you do corporate times of prayer and fasting. Or, uh, um, but do you know what? Even on your own, if you just go, there is something about this that needs to shift. We can't do it in ourselves. This is absolutely impossible what Nehemiah is about to set out and do here, by the way. We see in Nehemiah, there's a sense in which what ends up happening is they build the wall in 52 days. It would normally take a couple of years. So we're talking 10 times at least as fast. Now, we don't see when the miracle occurs. The whole thing is a miracle. Like the whole building of the church or a whole building of the walls is a miracle in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, and there's a sense in which it's absolutely impossible. So we have to begin in prayer. If we want to shift this thing, we need to get on our knees. Um, second thing we need to do, uh, I, I believe, is this. Is we need to get big in our faith. We need to get big in our faith. Nehemiah goes on uh, and he prays this. He says uh, in verse 11, he says, Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. So Nehemiah's prayer, it begins with this sort of confession of sin and even includes himself in that. But it moves very quickly to a prayer for success. It starts in sin, moves to success. There's this biblical connection that we see very regularly in scripture of this connection between repentance and faith. And it goes vastly beyond this, but it, it touches this as well. That there's something about turning to God and then suddenly turning and going, there's a mission for us to accomplish. There's something that has to be done. Like prayer often commences in complaint, but it continues in confidence. Nehemiah starts in that place of prayer, but then he suddenly goes, I have a vision for this thing. And it seems to happen in the process of this prayer. Like he's writing this prayer and he begins going, God, this isn't okay. And then he gets an idea. He doesn't tell us all of what the idea is, but he's got a vision from somewhere. He's got a message from God. He says, Lord, this is what we've got to, this is what we've got to do. This is what we're going after. Give us success. Give me success in what we are doing now. He's, he's asking God, look, give me uh, the, the, the ability to do what only you can do. It, it starts off in anguish but it continues in action. And so we need to get a vision. I believe we need to have, right now, at this point, like this is not the time to believe small for the church, 
right? This is not the time. Like, that can be the temptation to go, do you know what? It's hard. We're just going to focus on ourselves. We're going to get, quote, unquote, healthy. And, you know, it's just going to be all internal. And we're just going to make small tweaks and hope that the thing works out. That is the opposite of what Nehemiah does. Right now, at this point in time, 2021, this is the year. I believe this is a unique year in church history. I think something will happen. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I think at this moment, it could go either way. But we need a bunch of belligerent, in-your-face, stubborn Christians who go, do you know what? We're going to do something about this, right? Do you know what we need? We need a bunch of Northern Irish people, right? Okay, that is what we need. I've just lived in England for a year. I flipping love Northern Irish people more than ever before. We are a bunch of Egypts in the best possible sense. We really are. I, there's something about that spirit of just, do you know what I call it? It's the I write mate spirit, okay? That's what it is. I don't know if that's, a, I, I don't know if that's in the Hebrew somewhere. I write mate. It's like, you can't build the church. I write, mate. I say, like, oh, this is all going to go down the drain. I write, mate. It's like, we've got that sense of, do you know what? No. Like, we're going to do something about it. This is the year. This is the time. And do you know what? I'm not in Belfast right now. I'm in Craig Avenue. This is proper Northern Ireland, okay? <laughs> this is the real deal. And that's, the, the fact is, that is the spirit that we need of enormous faith. Not saying we can do it just by our belligerence. Not just by being stubborn and going for it. But you know what? God uses those people to do what only he can do. Every single time in the Bible. That's where it begins. Uh, there, there's a great book um, that, that, uh, that I do recommend, although I'm going I'm to point out what I would call a tweak that I would make to it. Um, so there's a guy called Rod Dreher, uh, who's a well-known... I would say he's, he's one of those guys who's almost a prophet without knowing that he's a prophet or probably believing in the gift of prophecy. I don't know where he's at on spiritual gifts. But he is a Christian. Um, but very, very insightful into culture and what's happening in the world. And uh, he wrote this book a couple of years ago called The Benedict Option. Um, so he, he's recognized that the world is shifting. Uh, the church is facing new challenges and really insightful into culture. <clears throat> he's just excellent on that side of things. But his recommendation is this, and this is where I would make the tweak. What he recommends is to kind of do what Benedict did. St. Benedict was around at the fall of the Roman Empire, and uh, whenever everything was falling apart, he said, let's gather in communities, and you know, we'll have Bible study and prayer. And, and don't get me wrong, like that's gr- genuinely great, and God did something through that movement that was absolutely worthwhile and preserved the church. But I would call that like a, like a defensive posture. It's like a, do you know what, like, like a, uh, we're, we're going to withdraw and we're going to ensure that we keep what we have. And I agree in many senses that, do you know what, the church, we have to be Bible studying and praying and all of those things. Totally agree with that. But, but there was a group of monks who didn't do that. The group of monks that didn't do that were the Irish monks. The Irish monks decided, you know what, we're going to re-evangelize Europe. That's what we're going to do. They genuinely did. There's a great book, How the Irish Saved Civilization. And that is what happened. Roman Empire, it all felt monastic communities. That was about it. And the Irish go, do you know what, we're going to do something about this. We're going to do something. We're going to re-evangelize Europe together. Uh, uh, one of my favorite stories is a guy called Boniface. Now, he's actually an English monk, but he came through the Irish monks in terms of like the, the lineage um, of the, where he was part of. 
And, and, and he uh, felt called to go and reach the Franks, which was a tribe that, obviously, with the name Franks, were from Germany. Uh, genuinely, they're from Germany. That's where they're from. Uh, but, uh, but he felt called to reach the Franks. And so he goes there. And there's this big tree. They worship Thor. Uh, so kind of taking it from, from the Vikings. And they have this big tree, this tree that they believe Thor lives in. And so he goes, okay, well, let's have a showdown between your God and my God, and we'll see what happens. And so they show up, and he's there, and he's brought an axe with him. And he chops down the tree. He spends the entire morning chopping down the tree. And the people are all expecting on the first swing, he's going to get struck by lightning, because this is Thor's house. And nothing happens. And he keeps chopping and keeps chopping. And he builds a chapel with the wood. And he baptizes the people. And the Franks come to faith. Do you know what? Here's the thing, right? Jesus, when he instituted the church, here's what he says. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When Jesus institutes the church, hear me on this. When he institutes the church, he is instituting an army. Okay, the gates of hell, that is the language of warfare. That is the language of an army. He is not instituting a pacifist, weak, retreating people. He is instituting an army. And and look, 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 the gates do not do the advancing. There has never been an army in history which has brought their gates with them and moved them forward. Do you know who's the aggressors in this? It is us. It is the church. We are advancing on the kingdom of darkness. We are not retreating, okay? So don't give me a compromised church, okay, like like the, the fall of the Roman Empire, but I don't really want the cloistered church of sort of monks in the Benedictine tradition. I want the confrontational church, right? Don't give me the church that is fallen. Don't give me the church that is fleeing give me the one that is fighting I don't want the Benedict option I want the Boniface option that's what I think we need right now I think we need a bunch of people who are going do you know what we are going to take ground in 2021 this is the year this is the time there's something about it and do you know what the the people here uh, in Jerusalem they get asked what are those idiots doing chapter 4 verse 2 that's not the literally said what are those feeble Jews doing what are those idiots doing who on earth thinks you could build a church at the end of a pandemic who on earth thinks do you know what this is the year to build something great this is the year to take more ground than ever before who on earth what are those idiots doing do you know what those idiots did they succeeded they succeeded they got faith for what they were doing and they had God with them they completed the mission for which God had called them do you know what I was praying about this and just one thing I wanted to throw out to the room is this I think there may be someone here and you've had a, a sense of a call to what we might call ministry, which I think is a horrible term because we're all in one sense ministering. But you know what I mean, as in working for a church full time and you've not pursued that calling. I think this is the year. I think this is the year. We're seeing pastors leave the ministry more than ever before. We're seeing churches close. I think this might be the year to plant. I think this might be the year to do something. I just, I just want to throw that out to the room. There's something on that this year. Get big in your faith. Third, third point is this. Get back to your roots. Get back to your roots. Um, there's a temptation when we see that things are broken to just chuck them in the bin and start again. Uh, to go, do you know what, there's an issue with the church at the minute. We're seeing this 
um, what we might sense is, is, is fragility. And we've just got to reinvent the whole thing. We've got to ch- chuck it all out, bin it, get rid of all the history. There's nothing good, nothing useful in that. We'll just get rid of it and we'll start again. C.S. Lewis had a term for that, which is chronological snobbery, right? It's this idea that the people in the past didn't know anything and were the ones with the only good ideas. Do you know what? That is absolute nonsense. And it, we do not want to do that. In fact, here's what Nehemiah says uh, in chapter 2, verse 5. He says, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Nehemiah, in this sense, was, was something of what I would call a conservative. Now, I'm not, again, speaking politically. I, I, I'm sure there are different political views in the room. But in terms of he loved what Jerusalem was. He didn't hate it. He loved it. He didn't want to reinvent Jerusalem. He wanted to rebuild it. He wasn't going, let's ditch everything that's happened before and let's move on to something new. He's going, no, 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 let's rebuild what has happened. Jesus is not reinventing the church. He is rebuilding it. And there is a difference. There's a difference. Uh, th- again, that is what the reformers did. And any time there's been a move of God, it has not been, let's ditch everything in the past. Reformers don't hate the past. They have a problem with the present because they've departed from the good of the past. There is so much good in our history. We need to not go, do you know what? They didn't know anything and we're going to figure out a new way. That is the best way to end badly. Right? Honestly, like, we keep talking about the new normal. Like, are we going to do church on an app? Or, you know, that, like church online? Are we going to have Zoom meetings forever? Does anybody else hate Zoom right now? Okay, I detest Zoom so much, okay? As soon as this thing's over, I am never going on Zoom again. Now, we all figured out pretty quickly, the Internet's a great tool that we need to use more in the church. Okay, we figured that out in about 20 seconds. It didn't take 10 months. It took about 20 seconds to go, do you know what? We need to do something about that. But, but imagine, imagine the people of Nehemiah's day in Jerusalem going, hey, do you know what? No walls. It's the new normal. Great view, you know, of the enemy hordes coming in to kill everyone in the city. It's like there's something, there's an issue about that. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to get rid of Sunday gatherings. I have heard that. We need to move away from Sunday gatherings. We would be the first generation in the entire 2,000-year history of the church to go Sunday gatherings don't matter. It will end in absolute disaster if we do that. That is a terrible idea. What on earth are you talking about? New normal. No, no, no. Look, the old normal was great. I loved it. Okay? Anyone else think that it was, life was pretty good in about February 2020? It was great. I don't, I don't regret uh, that time at all. The fact is the gathering of the saints is the front line of attack. Yeah. It absolutely is. Anytime there's persecution, it starts with the gathering. It starts, like China, it's about the gathering. Uh, Danny, she's, she's from Bulgaria. Her dad is a pastor at the fall of the Iron Curtain. Do you know what the issue was? It wasn't having private faith. It wasn't having a Bible. Communists didn't have an issue with that. They had an issue with gathering. There is power in gathering. Again, Jesus says that the church will overcome the gates of hell or the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Church means congregation. Like that's the word ecclesia, the the gathering. That's what it means. You on your own, the gates of hell can overcome that. The gates of hell cannot overcome the church, the gathering. We are not ditching that. This is what we are fighting for, right? 
There are things that cannot be done virtually. You will never raise your kids only on Zoom, right? You will never have a fully online marriage. And you know what? You will never have a fully online church. It can't be done. It can't be done. It's fine for a season, fine for a time. I get it. Emergency measures. People are in different places. Some people, you're very vulnerable. I get that. But this is what we have to be aiming to get back to. We are gathered to worship, not scattered to watch. Okay? It's about standing in the sanctuary singing, not sitting on the sofa snacking. Right? Okay? We come here to break bread. We don't stay there to break fast breakfast. There's, there's, a, there's a joke in there somewhere. The reality is that COVID has revealed issues in the church, a love of uh, people and a weakness in our understanding of things. We need to recognize that, but we are not getting rid of the past. We are rebuilding. We are repairing. You do not get, we do not get architectural privileges. We don't get to mess with the blueprint. We're builders, we're construction workers, and we are rebuilding what God has instituted. It is getting back to our roots. Last point, I'll keep this quick. Two things that I think church leader, I don't know why I'm saying this, but it just, it's in my heart. I know you're doing it. I think it's, it's an encouragement to this church that you're in a place that's doing this. Two things that church leaders need to be doing, leading and preaching. Leadership and preaching are the key things at this point. We see in Nehemiah, great leader, great leader. He, he, he organizes the people, gets them you know, working together. He fends off attacks. He, he, but he's not a man of many words. He doesn't talk a whole bunch. He's, he's quite brief, quite direct, not a preacher. But then there is preaching, Nehemiah 2 verse 8, or uh, 8 verse 2, 3 and verse 8. It says that Ezra, they, they brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day. And he read from it. And then there are people going around explaining to the people what was happening. Every, every true church, every true movement of God, everything great that God has done, those two things, they're, they're inseparable. Leadership and preaching. You have to have both. Uh, Calvin, Luther, Wesley, great leaders, great preachers. Jesus, great leader, great preacher. Paul, great leader, great preacher. Peter, great leader, great preacher. There's something about that. If you've got one, you can have a ministry. If you've got two, you can have a movement. If you've got neither, you can have a mess. Okay, that's the reality. Like We, we need both of those things. And I think it takes, there's something about Great leaders needed in times of crisis. And again, this is, this is an encouragement. This is just, I think you have this. I, I've been phenomenally um, blessed by listening to Craig and his leadership uh, in this time. But there's something about a leader who goes, do you know what? Let's not, let's not do like 10,000. Com- like the reason they didn't have a wall is probably because they had a wall building committee right? They had a panel and that was subject to the committee's committee and the construction committee. And there was, there was, there was, you know, just no, no one who actually said, do you know what? Let's grab a shovel and get digging. Like that's what you need. You need a leader who's going to go, let's not bureaucratize the church to death. Let's actually have leaders. Do you know what? The church is not a complete democracy. There's lots of elements of, of good feedback and all of that. But ultimately, you've got to have someone who goes, this is where we are going. And it takes a group of people to go, amen, we're with you. We need leaders at this time. And we need preaching. We absolutely need preaching. Why is that? 
in a time when everything is shaking, you need something that cannot be shaken. Right? You do. At a time when you know what, the whole world is focusing on their feelings, everyone's focusing on themselves, everyone's focusing on the daily news. We need something secure, we need fact, we need the eternal. Do you know what? At a time whenever it's very easy to just empathize and listen, which we have to do, we also need people who can declare, who can say, God has spoken. Do you know what? There is something that cannot be shaken. Do you know what? Jesus is still on his throne. He is still building his church. Do you know what? Uh, This mission has not changed. The task of the church has not shifted. There are things that cannot move. Do you know what? Heaven and earth may pass away but one iota one dot of the word of god will not pass away we need preaching at this time absolutely that will build the church leadership and preaching we need these four things i I think we're on a precipice in in church history I, i really do i think we're at a unique time when something could happen and it's almost like standing on a wall it could go either way If we're going to see it go a good way, we need these four things. We need to get on our knees, be praying. We need to get big faith. We need to get back to our roots. We need leadership and preaching. Pretty simple. It's pretty simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it is simple. It's not overly complex, but do you know what? There will be work involved with it. And I just felt um, slightly prophetically... Uh, I, I, was, I don't really rate my prophetic gifting, okay, if I'm honest. I really don't. I, I wouldn't say that I have a, a sort of great, you know, if you come up to me and, uh, and ask me to pray for you, I'll just pray for you. You'll probably not get any more than that. It'll be a good prayer, okay? I, I don't tend to have great, you know, words or whatever. Um, but um, I would say, say it works through, when, when I do feel something, it's normally what I would call insight and then maybe a little bit of inspiration chucked in off the back. Pick Pick the meat off the bones in this. If there's stuff here that you disagree with, Craig, you're welcome to, at the end of this service. Preferably when I'm out of the room to go, no, I didn't agree with that better about what Jamie said, okay? Here's, here's what I think. You, you mentioned the name Hope, Craig. That's what I have written down. I think Hope is a good name for this church in this time. Um, I think because you have valued the church, God values this church. That's, that's what I believe. I think there is something about an, an opportunity in this year that I don't think will happen again. And there's a chance to do in 52 days what would otherwise take years. There is a building opportunity. I don't know if that's physical or spiritual. Um, but nonetheless, there's something about a building opportunity to do in 52 days, I don't mean a literal 52 days necessarily, who knows, um, but, but something that's 10 times the speed. That's, that's what it is, it's 10 times the speed. And, and here's something, that I want to throw this out, because it was in my head and I can't get it out, which, which is to throw out to the congregation here. If, if there was an opportunity, if something happened, uh, and I think it's down to... to to Craig to know what, what that would look like. Um, but if there was an opportunity where there was something unique happening, what about if the entire congregation said, we're going to give remarkably to that? Both, and I, we've talked about money, but I actually mean more in terms of time. I, I feel there's something about, rather than going to Costa del Sol, 
maybe going to Costa del Craig Avon this year and doing so if there's an opportunity there's a unique moment and that doesn't sound mildly appealing as a holiday destination but rather than lying on a beach why not build a wall if there's something there why don't we get behind whatever's happening I don't know if that if it will but do you know what there's something about if the congregation that that's what it took it took everybody gets a sword gets a shovel gets building I think that may that may be there may be an opportunity that comes up this year where that's um where that happens and and I just say do you know what if that does I'd encourage us take the time to build something that will last this may be the only year that you get the chance to do this so why not